Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Rowlett. This is episode 48. 48 is the smallest number with 10 divisors. This week, Andrea Donoghue talked to me about her work managing cash balances. My name's Andrea Donoghue, and I studied maths at Leicester University in 1995. I loved studying maths, and when I finished, I was lucky enough to be offered the option to go and study a PhD in the University of Luton. And the PhD was involved with looking at how to develop software for pure mathematicians. Now, this appealed to me because I struggled with pure maths at first, and, it, and because it's such an abstract piece of topic, my PhD was involved looking at how to visualise particular types of group presentations, which are called spherical pictures. And they just look like graphs. So the whole idea of the software was that you would visualise these presentations that look like graphs, and by manipulating the pictures, you actually obtain properties of the group presentation. So because I could relate so much to the advantages of doing the PhD, I really enjoyed it. And I think the the whole experience was brilliant because I had the opportunity to to choose which papers I read, how to research. I actually had a lot of direction into how the final thesis would look. And the other advantage was I I was lucky enough to do a lot of travelling. I went to Australia on a conference, very lucky, Um, Paris, Italy and met lots of exciting people and could talk a lot about my work and how it related into this very abstract piece of pure mathematics. I also had the opportunity to study in a Belgium university, in the University of Ghent, and I, um, during that time I worked for a week trying to help design a waste water, a simulation of water flow. So it was quite different from a PhD, but use the same techniques, which I think is something that I use in my job now. So when I finished my PhD, I um, wanted to study something that I could relate to in the real world, in industry. So I decided to go into industry, and uh, I got a job in a small company called Cash Management Systems, which basically looks at the cash management side of client, uh, retailers, big retailers, and big banks. So, for instance, to try and put that into context, um, if you go into McDonald's and want to buy a Happy Meal and you have £20, that £20 has to end up into McDonald's bank account. So we designed software to model that movement of the £20 into the bank account, basically, because a security carrier will come, pick up the money, take it to the cash centre, gets counted, and into the bank account. Obviously, there are many different days that the money can get collected. You can have You could have cash sitting on sites for up to as many days as you wanted, but there's a cost to that because it's not getting into the bank accounts. Or you could get money getting collected every hour, but there's a cost to that for having the money collected. So we, what we do is we optimise the whole the cash supply chain, it's called, and we look at the best ways to do it. So that's one side of the company that I did, and I helped build all the software for that. So the second part of my job, which is what I'm involved in now, is looking at the opposite side of the chain, whereas so it's getting money into the banks and ATMs so that people can withdraw it and then spend in the shops. So... What we do is we would design mathematical models that will predict how much cash to order for a particular ATM, say. Now, <clears throat> what many people don't understand is that you can actually order too much cash for an ATM um, because maybe you will order £120,000, but it only goes through 20000 So the next week when we come to fill up the ATM, there's still 100000 left in it, which is far too much money. And, of course, costs the banks and the building societies money and interest. And it might also be a security risk. 
Um, alternatively, you can, like, cannot put enough money. You can put too little money in, and then the ATM will run out, and then the client has lots of problems with people complaining, you might lose customers, etc. Um, and so that's this, that's the area that we'll look at now. And this is where it becomes really interesting because my, my biggest client at the moment is a foreign exchange company. We've got um, shops. Bureau de charges in airports, shop all over the world. And the exciting thing there is building the different mathematical models for, for each type of currency in each type of place because the, 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 the model that you will build for euros in Liverpool Airport is completely different than the model you will build for euros in Rome, Fiumicino, or JFK in America. Um, and it's fascinating trying to build all the client requirements in. For instance, they might not, they might want a certain level, always, always have to have in some cases a certain level of stock on site so you've got to predict demand for that or they might have different days of the week different things happen we have or we have to take into account conferences weather sporting events are there cultural differences of how much money people carry yes there are cultural differences and how people react to money because a lot of the times they will take out travellers checks or compared as opposed to actual physical cash yeah. or alternatively in, for instance, in America, we, we have a lot of demand for US dollars, which is, I mean, it, the whole setup is completely different in America compared to over here. So we have to take into account all that. And then we get the regional differences in terms of how the money is actually delivered and how it's ordered. And we have to, I have to work with all the different banks trying to get the deadline sorted out. Once we've built the mathematical models, I then implement a cash or, internet cash ordering system into each site. So basically the, the, the manager at the site would log on to the internet and then they look at what we're recommending. And then if, if, they, if they know something's happening that we don't know about, which can happen, for instance, the ATM around the corner could have shut down. Then, obviously, demand or it could be broke. Then demand will go will go up, will increase dramatically. So then they want to increase what we're recommending. So then they'll contact my team, and we'll see. And then we'll start negotiating. The whole aim of it is to make sure that the, the they have an optimised cash holdings on site. So in order to successfully run the project, it involves it doesn't just involve building the models. I have to liaise directly with the clients in all the different countries. And again, it's very interesting to see how the different the cultural differences between companies so dealing with someone in America is very different to dealing with the, someone in Germany or France and then we have to this might involve me having to go I often have to go over to the country so do a lot of travelling to meet people and then have to present lots of results to very senior level members and then in the afternoon I can be going to train in airports shops the actual cash systems itself and how to order the cash so when I so part of the project is once we've built the models we've tested it then I'll go to the and train people on site, train them how to use the system, yeah. and then I also have to manage my team to, to understand what the client requirements are. So there's a lot of management of people involved. Can I ask a question? I don't yeah, know. question. ATMs are oh, fascinating. How do they make? How, how are they? Because they don't make money. So why are they worth running? Because I can sort of see them as a, it's good for the bank to have ATMs all around the world because then you want to use that bank because you can get money yeah. out everywhere. And they sometimes advertise on them. Is it that? No, well, it's a good question actually. Well, a, a lot of the companies we work for, they, where they charge, you know, £1.50. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because cause they've got their ready capital machine. But yeah. the, the banks, they get money from Link, but it all sort of nets off. Yeah. So I think I just it's just. Because they're worried about the flow and the, you know, uh, if they run out. But if they run out and they lose customers to that ATM, is that. Is it, is it a marketing awareness type issue for them? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Can, it can be. 
Well, I suppose on, on a simple level, if you if it ran out, you'd go into the branch. If it was in a branch, you'd go into the branch, so the staff wouldn't be able to yes. cope with the demands. Yeah. So there is that. But there's also the fact that, you know, you could, you could say, well, that ACM's never got any cash, mm. so I'm not going to go there. Yeah, yeah. Used to be one near us that stuck to a shop. And, mm. and um, yeah, so it's run out, so you never go, because you, yeah, you, you would know. rely on it. Yeah. You, you'd, you'd get money elsewhere. But, it's, but I'm not sure that that's a lot worse for them because then they've got to deliver less money and one thing or another but I suppose my then brand image of that particular bank is yeah I think we never got any cash in the ATMs yeah, yeah that's it's, it's all about customer obviously so customer focused yeah, yeah. and the ones who pay obsess, yeah. obsessed well, in a way because yeah. it's definitely routine for people people will always generally use and say oh get the money on the way to the shop or get yeah, the money yeah. on the way up oh and in the future they're doing um Adverts, you can get loans from ATMs. Oh, I was at a conference yeah. the other day, and you can actually um, yeah. apply for a loan when you're getting cash out. Fascinating. Right. I, Very I bet they are, because it just does seem like a, a strange thing to offer for free. Yeah. It must be so expensive to run. What I would say to any math stu- student is that I always thought I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. And it was only when I got offered the opportunity to do a PhD that I realised that there's so much different, there's more subject choices than you actually realise. And I try not to, when you're studying, try not to keep, you know, don't be too narrow-minded, quite be quite broad-minded in your subjects. Yeah. So, because, and the skills you learn in a maths degree are applicable in lots of different areas that you just won't even think about. Because the main things I got from my degree was the fact that I could think in different ways, try and solve problems in different ways, and it also the ability to think independently, which I think is very important. And of course, as well as that, work part of a team. Yeah. So, the, the, so the main skills I got from it were more personal skills yeah. and confidence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to talk it's about being a chartered mathematician? Oh, okay. Well, I just have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you feel that advantages? Well, I think. Um, I think it does. I think it gives well, it gives clients a lot of confidence because yeah. when I talk about maths, it, the, a lot of people are frightened, as you know, are frightened by maths, mm-hmm. aren't they? So when you're trying to, one of the things that you need to think about, what I need to think about, is how to make them understand in a way that doesn't frighten them. Yeah. And I think the fact that they're entrusting me with all their cash demands, it gives them a, a confidence, and they see like you know, I've got the right qualifications mm-hmm. for the job. Yeah. Um, and I think that the, the scheme itself is good because it it does make you develop. It's very easy if you're not in academia, and once you've got your degree, just to say, oh, well, yeah, I've got a degree now, or yeah. I've got a job. And you, you do have to keep pushing yourself to to keep developing in, in what, however, might just be personal skills or presentation skills, and the, that that does make you stick to, to it. Yeah. So I, I would re- recommend. And also the IMA itself, I think, is good because you do get to meet people, who, well, fellow mathematicians, mm-hmm. but... For me, in, in working in an industry in a quite in a small company, it can be quite difficult for me to meet yeah. anyone in my area. Yeah. So I, I would recommend. I would recommend it. Yes. <laughs> good. <laughs> right. Thank you. That's brilliant. No problem. Now that's that's very good because that's for sure? students. No. <laughs> right. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. You can find out more about the podcast, get show notes relating to each episode. Uh, and even become a fan of the podcast on Facebook by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about what I do for the IMA by following me on Twitter, where I am Peter Rollett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T. Thank you for listening.